The year after the tragedy, particularly the first couple of months, every second is a minute. You know, every minute is a year. I could spend hours talking about the day that I heard about what happened. On February 10th, 2015, Dia Barakat, Yusor Abu and Razana Busalha were shot and killed execution style in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Early reports suggest this was a parking dispute gone wrong, but family and community members feel like it was a hate crime directed at the three young American Muslims. Poet Muhammad Musa was friends with the three victims. The fact that Muslims are standing up and saying, I believe I could be killed because I'm Muslim, and only because I'm Muslim, that needs to be addressed. From North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, this is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney. Over the past few episodes, we explored the human stories behind the Chapel Hill shooting. I pulled out the magnifying glass and the atlas to track the emotions and motives of this complex narrative. This is the final installment in our five-part series on the tragedy. There are four other episodes about this story available for download now. Check them out and subscribe to this podcast. This heartbreaking story started a mile from my house. And over the past year, I've talked to a lot of people. A lot of people about what happened that night. The first person I called was Muhammad Musa. Muhammad was a close friend of Dia Barakat. They met on a youth group ski trip and made prank phone calls in the back of the van all the way home. Muhammad says, The laughter of that evening still echoes in his mind today. Muhammad is a computer engineer, an amateur magician, and a poet. Words brought us together. I met Muhammad at a poetry open mic many years ago, and I've performed on stages with him from the banks of the Nile River to the shadow of the White House. His writing is potent, and his voice is catalyzing. In the wake of Dia's murder, Muhammad channeled his grief into his pen and wrote a one-man multimedia spoken word poetry show entitled Shattered Glass. A year after my first call to Muhammad, I sat down with him again to talk about poetry, processing, and parking disputes. As time moves forward, it gets a little bit easier You know, life has to move on. You come to accept things more easily. And then out of nowhere, some days it comes back full force. You're suddenly there on February 10th. You're suddenly there on the 12th, the day of the burial. And those emotions come back to you. At first, there's only shock. The refusal to believe what you just heard. So your mind opens up like the doors of a theater. The actor takes his seat at the throne. Your mind becomes a master magician, trying to fool itself with every trick imaginable, rolling reality between its fingers with smoke and mirror. And then there is silence. 
The world pauses for a split second, stops rotating, as if it too refuses to move on, as if to exhale. Muhammad said the process of writing and producing a multimedia show about the death of his friend Dia was a conflict in itself. Am I desensitizing myself by doing this work and looking at the technical aspect? How do I edit this video? Does this picture need more brightness and contrast? And kind of forgetting like, this is a picture of your friend that passed away. The question comes is at what cost? I'm convinced that this work is important and needs to be done, but I'm also cognizant of um, the personal impact that it has. I've seen Muhammad perform this show several times. I've seen the lump in his throat, the water in his eyes. He tells me the performance is hard. All of it is hard. Dia, Yusor, and Razan did not simply die. They were taken. They were murdered. And the idea that this crime was motivated by a parking dispute? It's flat out wrong, Muhammad says. Let's back up a second. Here's what I know. Dia and Yusor lived together in an apartment complex. There was limited parking. Some spots were assigned, and some spots were open to any resident or guest. Craig Hicks, the alleged murderer, lived next door to Dia and Yasur and claimed one of the open spots belonged to him. He was wrong, but that didn't matter. Anyone who challenged him faced intimidation or threats. Dia and Yasur decided it wasn't worth it. They didn't park in the spot he claimed, and in fact, they sent out maps to their friends, making sure none of their guests parked there either. The so-called disputed parking spot, none of their cars were parked in it on the day of the murders. They weren't even there. You know, they're having dinner. They're in their home. They're in their safe space where they belong. And someone interrupts that. Someone interrupts their space and comes inside. And now we're spinning it to say like, well, maybe they had something to do with it. The word dispute implies that maybe somehow they caused what happened. That's so disgusting to hear. That's so disrespectful. The echoes of a gunshot keep ringing long after the trigger was pulled. Three Muslims were executed in their home an ocean of untold stories on the floor. The media says this is a parking dispute between neighbors. Our deaths are a byline in a newspaper nobody wants to read. Excuses packaged in a narrative that can't fit Muslim victims inside, the case is closed. Decorated with shell casings and police tape, this is what our present is wrapped in parking dispute. It all started the day after the crime, when the Chapel Hill police suggested the murders may have been motivated by the disputed parking spot. Last episode, we talked to Chapel Hill Police Chief Chris Blue about that comment. He stood by the facts, but he recognized how it distracted people from the grieving process. I wish we hadn't said so much. I think if what we said was factually correct. Um... But I don't think we added a lot of value by putting the parking dispute part in there. 
in a tragic way, um, what was intended to be informative um, was really hurtful. I truly believe that the Chapel Hill Police Department wanted and wants what's best for the community. I genuinely think that they just kind of wanted people to be calm, right? The idea that a hate crime exists in Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill is like one of the best places to live in America. A place like that has a hate crime? You could be killed because of your faith in Chapel Hill? This idea is so foreign to us, all of us. And I think for them, they wanted to to say, oh, well, maybe, you know, I mean, it was motivated by something, right? Something caused it. Don't worry. Be all right. We're safe. We're a good community. Don't worry. Tell me something that will make the pain easier to swallow. Tell me lies and fiction and stories, but please don't tell me it's okay. Don't tell me it's okay. Don't tell me it's okay. It's not okay. My friend, his wife, and her sister were murdered. And it's not okay. To Muhammad, the idea of it's okay is a denial of reality. It's the sugar coating of hatred, and it tastes like dismissal and ignorance. When Muhammad hears the police call this a parking dispute, he really hears, don't worry, it's okay. And we're thinking, what? It could have been me at the end of the day. It could have been my brother. It could have been my son. It could have been my daughter. It could have been my sister. And you're telling me that it couldn't? The fact that my, you know, my wife, she, works, uh, she used to work a little bit earlier than I do during the time of the shooting. And so when she would leave for work, she'd leave the door unlocked because I would be leaving after her and I'd lock the door after me. The first Monday from when we came back from the funeral services, I remember her leaving the house and hearing that click behind her, hearing her lock the door. And I remember vividly, vividly thinking, we have changed. We don't feel safe anymore because it could be us. Not it could have been us, it could be us. Today, tomorrow, next week, next year, if things don't change, I could be Liat, she could be Razan or Yusser, and we have to work to fix that. That's a big reason why Muhammad wrote this show. Like I said, he's an engineer with a full-time job. He helps design those little computer chips that go in your cell phones but he uses his vacation time to travel around the U.S. performing this show again and again, no matter how hard it is for him personally, because he believes it will change people. He believes poetry can help prevent this from happening again. In this parking dispute, you need a permit no one is willing to give. In this parking dispute, all the spots are reserved. You don't get to choose where you belong. In this parking dispute, signs point us towards who to hate, who to question, who to fear. We don't mention that us Muslims commit less crimes. That in the U.S., the majority of those killed by terrorism are killed by those who are not Muslim. That abroad, the majority of those killed by terrorism are Muslim victims. But none of that goes with the narrative that we are told. Instead, we are taught of anger and of destruction and of death. Don't talk to me about death. Talk to me about life. 
about breathing, about futures. Tell me of memories we will soon hold like heirlooms we can't wait to pass on to our children. Tell me of love that is still there, of smiles that won't fade, of moments we never want to let go of. Muhammad's show ends with an intimate moment of connection between friends, a last encounter, and a final memory to hold on to. A few weeks after the shooting, I had a dream where I was walking down a path when I see Liam. His smile, a beam of light. His red lanyard across his neck like a medal of honor. And I realize this may be the last time that I see him. So I start thinking of what to say. I have to say something perfect. The best last words between friends, but before I have time to think it through. The words, Assalamu Alaikum, run out of my mouth. Peace be with you. And that means so much to me, man. Because that tells me that everything that I wanted to tell him I already have. That there are no words between us that were missing. That I told him that I love him and that I care for him. And that I said that while he was alive. And I know not a lot of people have that opportunity. But I did. And that the next time I saw him, the only other word that I had left for, for him was peace be with you and go on your way. Keep going. That's all that was left. And I was so happy that that, that, that was all that was left. I had no more words for him because everything that I would have told him I already did. And that was such a comforting thing for me. The show Shattered Glass is a year of reflection and mourning, wrapped in the power of storytelling and signed with a poet's pen. It's a demand for answers and accountability, and it's a journey that leaves us both broken and whole. You can't make a mosaic without breaking glass, but they're so beautiful. And sometimes you can't make beautiful things without tragedy coming before it. Um, Yusser's name comes from the idea, um, from, from, from the word Yusser, which means ease. And in the Quran, there's a verse that says, indeed, with difficulty comes ease. Alongside difficulty, while difficulty is happening, ease is also next to it. The murder of Dia, Yusor, and Razan shook a community to its core, and it grabbed the world's attention. Over the past five episodes, we've been shining a light into the heart of this story and exploring the spectrum of the human condition and conflict through sorrow and healing, outrage and action, remembrance and growth. What is done cannot be undone. But the truth matters. The stories matter. The stories bring us closer and challenge us to connect. From the brother Ferris Barakat to the police chief Chris Blue, from reporter Rima Crace to poet Muhammad Musa, every conflict has a story. Through poetry, through conversation, through our long, complex human stories, we can understand. We can connect. That is our journey. This is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney.
This podcast is a production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This episode was produced by David Brower and me. If you want to learn more about poet Muhammad Musa and his work, Shattered Glass, check out muhammadmusa.com. Our original music was composed by Stephen Levitin, also known as the Apple Juice Kid. To hear more, check out applejuicekid.com. As we close this chapter on the Chapel Hill shooting, I want to give a special thanks to WUNC reporters Jorge Valencia and Rima Crace, and to translator and all-around fixer Mike Mala. These folks laid the groundwork behind many of the stories y'all heard. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast platform of choice. Listen, rate, and review our episodes today, and share these stories with your friends. It helps make this show possible. In Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I'm Will McInerney.